Welcome to the Autonomous Podcast. A podcast without a manager. A podcast without a host. A podcast that runs itself. Whoa! How do you do that? It's magic, bro. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to the Meta Autonomous Podcast, track B, which is about fixing the world through grassroots movements and non-profits. I'm your host Nelson, Nelson Melina. I'm recording this podcast from Martinique in the Caribbean, beautiful French island. And it's my honor to interview today Diana Moret the creator of Pandora Hub, Civic Hub, and plenty of other projects that she will explain all uh, all about. Uh, yeah, so Diana, welcome. Thank you, and well, thanks for the invitation, Nelson. I'm honored for the honored presentation. <laughs> so yeah, happy to be here and have a small time to explain all what is going on right now. That is a lot. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Barcelona right now, uh, but I'm lucky enough uh, for living in front of a big park, a big mountain, well, a big mountain, a, a hill in the city, Guinardo, and a very quiet location with nice views, sunrise every morning. So yeah, I'm in the city, but I live in a very quiet area, and, and I cross the street and I can go to a big park and walk in nature, so I have the feeling of being in, in nature. Cool. Very important. Yeah. So we met a few years ago. I had you on my also on my radar through the Pandora Hub project, which is a really cool initiative to bring back activity in the rural world. Can you explain a little bit more about what is it you're doing and also about the rural change makers uh, movement? Sure. Pandora Hub is a project that was born based on my own passion for being more uh, next to next to, well more in nature more near from nature and especially patient for rural life i've been there hiding for a while i think even since i was a child but it just became too much too intense in the last five years and i didn't expect that this could be called lifestyle or, or even a project and i didn't expect that there were more people like me who were working in technology and kind of uh, or a little bit sophisticated stuff like methodologies and stuff and at the same time having this the rural caller rural patient and there was actually a lot of people already at least around me so hiding and in silence a lot of people in the tech industry and innovation and business industry strategies industry well i don't know a lot but there were many of, of them mm, not, not just me and yeah it started like a passionate passion-based project attached as well to I guess it's a childhood from my, my father's side. She, he was living in, in a village and, and they were forced to move uh, from the village uh, because of uh, the miscalculation of, of a dam that was built next to the riverside. And, and I think, if we want to think on, on the past, I think that passion for all stones, abandoned villages and the story of our land here in Spain, because most of our families uh, from villages in the 60s, end of the 60s there were there was maybe 40 percent of people or even more living in villages so it's kind of a lot even our own story and path and origins 
so yeah, I mean, what do we have to do working remotely, working in in impact, working in technology, and uh, having this this session for next, nature? So it was difficult to guess what was the way, and that's why it was a an intense exploration of different ways of making this happen in the shape of a, of a project that was uh, was also gathering other people, not just me. And we explored different kinds of things. We started by programs and say taking a village and program courses every day. Uh, imagine a village, the vision, no? Imagine a village in which a lot of things are already going on. A mixture of newcomers and locals are already living there. People are exchanging knowledge and there are like interesting courses going on, not just necessarily attached to typical activities in a village like I don't know, like theory of change, or uh, there was another one of course, like ecology, but also there were um, courses on changing careers. So there were different kinds of courses. It was the first prototype of, of that happened in 2018, summer, August. And 40% of locals uh, took part as well, because I was there with my family one month ago. So we managed to involve local people as well. We also designed some of the activities based on the interests of the locals. So it was basically trying to create or trying to manifest the village in the under the vision of Pandora Hub. And then the next prototype, two weeks after that, was a startup program, like a startup come one week. There were people coming from Barcelona, but also from Dubai and from Italy. So it, it was quite international. In this case, it was a, a little bit harder for locals to took part because I didn't have so much knowledge of local entrepreneurs by then on the region was taking part. So the program went really well, but not so much in terms of local participation. And after that, different kind of weekend-based startup um, escapes in abandoned villages, mixing more than 30 people, each one doing their own thing, their own project, but mixed up in the same kind of workshops in a very uncommon location, uh, very unaccessible and kind of vampire-like <laughs> castle building. And it was really, really interesting as well. It was the third prototype. And then from here, I was uh, there were more people involved in, in the organization also, from the even from the first prototype. And then we decided there's a lot of projects already in rural areas, in this intersection, intersection between the space, the hacker mentality, the social impact, the technology. Uh, that were co contacting us and we wanted to know them. We wanted to visit them, we wanted to stay there. So we decided to do tours, safaris, on rural co-living safaris, to actually map, try, and scout some of those locations. And instead of just doing these, like uh, the few people that were involved in, in the project, uh, we said, why don't we open up for five more people to join us from elsewhere that we don't know. And so we started to do some rural co-living safaris. It was completely chaotic and adventurous. It was like road trips in rural Spain. We did several of them. And this helped us to, uh, to have a bit like more understanding of what was going on already in this intersection between remote work, rural areas, blah, blah, blah. And 2018, after different kind of prototype and trials on rural co-living, acceleration programs, Sorry, 2016, I don't even know how, but we managed to do an acceleration program in Bali uh, in the summer of 2016. It went fucking amazing, but it was super stressing because, yeah, it was very complex to do that. But the experience was like, it was before and after. 
Uh, why in Bali? Because it's, uh, it's the mecca for digital nomads. And at the end, a project that is proposing uh, relocate your work and life in an uncommon place next to nature, it's way more easy to understand by digital nomads than by traditional workers. So that was pretty much the assumption of doing something in Bali to get uh, the community on board from there and to, to get a place in the digital nomad scene. And yeah, like different kind of activities, but at the end we'll find a way because when you prototype different kind of things, you're trying out the context, the participants, how the local invol- uh, community is involved, what is the impact for the local community. So those kind of questions beyond the experience itself and the success of the experience itself, based on the local impact, were the questions that started to be, become more important from the second, third year. And so in this sense, we started exploring the possibility of articulating the program based on particularities on the region as a way of saying if we do a lot of effort of involving local entrepreneurs, local professionals and newcomer professionals, why don't we do it in a way that is the speciality of these people have something to do with the territory? Because it, then it's mm-hmm. going to be more possible that whatever happens during the program stays in the territory or creates some impact in the territory. You know? So yeah, that that was the assumption by then, 2018. And yeah, there was a big round in Catalonia uh, that was specifically focused on this, which is creating topic-based acceleration programs in regions. And I couldn't even believe it. It's like, this is made for us. No? And we won the grant. And that's how Civic Hub program arises, which so far is the initiative that helped us acquire more measurable KPAs in terms of um, economic regeneration of the region. So company creation, job creation, and then repopulation. And yeah. that's why Civic Hub is an initiative of, of Thunder Hub, but it's co-created with other partners, local partners and newcomer partners and experts. And basically is a program that is happening in Garrocha region uh, that is based in one topic. And this topic is a local strength. And it's not a unique local strength of Garrocha region. Uh, it's one of the more prominent. It's civic innovation and, and social innovation. There are many NGOs. A lot of um, governments are doing participatory processes. So there's a lot going on. A lot of hackers are, are already living there. So you just say, well, this should be a thing here. And yeah, it went really well, the first edition. I can tell the the, the assumption was, was confirmed. And in just one edition, 2018, five companies were incorporated and then something that we didn't expect it, but now it's something really clear that we are pursuing in purpose is the mixture between local and newcomer participants because they collaborate. And in the strategy of Civic Hub, five projects emerged from the collaboration of participants. We didn't tell them to collaborate. They decided to do it because they find they were super complementary. Because this is, yeah. this is very important. So we, we want to have local participants and newcomer participants. And one thing without the other one is it doesn't make much sense for us. Because this mixture, it's what creates magic. It's what really creates high-value interactions. Having people creating like links between them and connection between them far beyond the activities, far beyond the program. So they start friendship, they start projects together. And 2018, three people moved to the region and just like 26 mm. participants took part. So it's a pretty high rate. So kind of Civic Hub was 
so far the type of activity that help us create more impact in terms of rural reactivation and rural repopulation. The other big area, which is embedded in pretty much everything we do is co-living, like conviviality. Now it's complicated with uh, COVID, but typical problem happens in weekends and, and everybody leaves and stays and eats and does the workshops in the same place. And when the workshops finish and they start to think on their project, they start to connect and they share the space, they share a beer, they share the dinner. And this creates a lot of bonding. And so even in the acceleration programs such as, and quite specialized acceleration programs such as Civic Hub, there's a big component on rural co-living. But rural co-living, apart from the acceleration programs, is also a big thing now in many cities, not just in Barcelona, because everybody wants to live in a rural area right now, wants to live, want to try, when explore, what would this mean? So we've been exploring with rural co-living since the very beginning, with the tours, the safaris, with all the programs, with or without content involved with co-living. So now, specialized acceleration programs such as Civic Hub. We also did another specialized acceleration program in the island of La Palma, in Canary Island. In this case, it was a hackathon. It's meant to be a program, like a few months program, but we did the first prototype as a weekend hackathon. In La Palma, is not based on extreme, it's based on environmental issue or challenge, which is energy transition. La Palma Island depends 90% on imported fossil fuels, and there's a local entity that's been like nearly two years doing an amazing work like lobbying and uh, participatory processes and grassroots movement for identifying opportunities for decarbonization and, and energy transition business models. And that's it. So we just came in, in there. We had relationship before with them two years ago and continuous collaboration in other kinds of projects. But that was the moment in which we decided to do the ecological version of Civic Hub, which is Ecology Hub. But at the end, it's pretty much the same. So you take one topic that makes a lot of sense for the region. In this case, it's a commonly agreed environmental challenge. There's a community behind who's pushing for that to happen, for accelerating the, the transition, the, the carbonization of the island. And you just use the hackathon as a way of creating the space for all these people to get together, to collaborate, to try to get jobs, to, to try to do projects together and it happened in November but at the end is a kind of similar activity than Civic Hub is specialized acceleration yes exactly what was the impact on that what was the result mm. I mean it's still like it, it just happened but I wonder like were yeah. there any new projects? Were there any yeah. uh, new companies or any new initiatives? Mm -hmm. The hackathon is not aimed at incorporating companies. It was more aimed at creating working groups and having local projects and professionals and freelancers and experts that were working individually in topics related to the energy transition to get together, to know each other, and to start collaboration projects together. So uh, the indicator of Ecology Hub is like we managed to, to get like more than 70 candidates. We invited everybody to join with the condition of them getting together in working groups by topic. So we proposed topic groups before the hackathon. That was a massive seven-day uh, pre-organization <laughs> challenge. 
but but yeah, I mean, nearly 50 of those 70 people managed to self-organize in eight working groups based on topics. Some working groups were like 10 people. So we passed it from 70 candidates to eight working groups to 54 participants. And it was a massive exercise of collaboration. And especially the freelancers and specialists that were working, uh, I don't know, like people who were setting up solar panels or people who were experts in gray water. So like individual professionals get a com- got together with the community of people involved in, in the topic uh, of the umbrella for the energy transition and started potential collaborations in projects in common or, for instance, for going together in front of an opportunity in a company that needs some of the services. So we also, in the hackathon, three real business opportunities were matched in in the end of the hackathon. So we have real commercial interviews for three projects that some of them are following up now. And we are now trying to turn all the candidates and participants into a community. We are now proposing a meeting of follow-up meeting with all the participants because now the goal is turning this in a community of professionals and entrepreneurs involved with the cause of uh, of the hackathon. But the hackathon is the, well, the thing is, it wasn't meant to be a hackathon. It was a small budget that the local entity had because we applied for a big grant of doing a seven-month acceleration program based on the energy transition. We were not granted last year, but we are waiting for this year for the same grant to be published with the president of the hackathon and and we're going to win because now we, we know exactly what we have to change in the in the answers because we asked them what happened so the goal is doing an acceleration program and creating a community of interest based on the hackathon participants we're very obsessed with the impact because it's not anymore about oh how can we convince these people to go to a rural area i mean that <laughs> this is not a challenge anymore the challenge here is more what is the impact uh, in the local region and is it positive? And to answer this question to me is how much do you involve the local, the local community in what you propose as a rural reactivation project? Because that's totally connected with the positive transformation of the rural community. You can also find a rural community that doesn't, ha- doesn't want to have anything to do with nobody from outside. And look, this is a choice. I mean, I learned that you need to be wanted as a project like this in a region otherwise it doesn't make any sense no yeah just you to don't want to counter current yeah and i've learned a lot last two years about how threatening can people coming from cities become for a local project a local region even without wanting in even with the best of the intentions I mean, good intention is, is not enough. I mean, it's so easy coming from a city, taking for granted that you do, you're going to solve all the local problems that they have mm-hmm. been trying to solve for hundreds of years. No? Mm-hmm. So the savior syndrome of urbanites, it's quite, it's quite common. And I, it might even happen to me in the big, very beginning. And I have learned a lot that how oh, this is not it's completely useless uh, because you learn a lot from the local communities as well. And if you don't learn first, you can mess it up a lot and it, it doesn't make any, any sense. No? But in the other sense, when you mix local people and newcomer people that have something in common, in the case of the programs, they have the why in common, 
the cause they are pursuing is, is the same one. They do it from the technology side, they do it from a social movement, they do it from a political party, they, they do it in different ways. But if you have a topic-based program that is like a common ground, you can have a very different participants, local newcomers, because then it's easier they complement and they find, even if they are different, they find the dialogue, they find a way to to really understand each other. It would be very uh, conflictive, for instance, bringing a money-driven person to some of those programs. I have tried. <laughs> I did the experiment in 2018. <laughs> it was yeah, I mean, it, it was it was interesting. It was kind of a social experiment. One of the spe speakers of the last encounter of 2018, it was super money-driven, super hacker-like, growth hacker-like, marketing, tal, okay. and the more fundamentalist social movements taking part of the program, like, oh, horrified, no? And, and yeah, you just, like, send the, the threshold what it is, but clearly... The mixture is important, um, but it's important to design a space in which there are collaboration kind of dynamics and also finding common ground because it, it, you just mix different people for mixing different people and then see what happens. It's very dangerous, especially because normally people from outside tend to be paternalistic and arrogant in general when they reach in, in a rural area. Whereas what happens in what I have seen in person in a program is that local projects, because a, a lot of things happen, a lot of times it happens that local people have an um, inferiority uh, sense, very hidden inside, because it, it wasn't so fashionable to stay in the village, like historically in Spain. And this kind of thing in the cultural side of rural area. So it's, it's kind of a shame if you live in a rural area. It is changing, but it's kind of there. No? So local projects that are like super creative, they when they see somebody from a sophisticated startup-based project, like they admire and they see, wow, you are fucking amazing. And they see this, this project from outside saying, but you are fucking amazing as well. What are you saying? So they, they kind of <laughs> admire each other. Uh, these automatically kind of balance the, the level of, of self-esteem. And it's, it's a very psychological dynamic, but it, it happens. And so, so I think it, the mixture is interesting and it's, it's good, but it, you need to think a little bit on the design of the activity to mm -hmm. make it respectful, both sides, equal from equal. And, and open, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you need to know this is going to happen. You need to know normally people from outside make go to a rural area thinking, oh, I'm going to solve your problem. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's there. So, it's, it's, so you need to be ready to, to create the space, moderate the space for a more equal-to-equal -equal interaction to happen. It's very interesting what you say because it's something like, um, for example, I, I'm from Martinique where I'm at right now. I usually live in Catalonia, but right now I'm seeing family here and I can see those dynamics of what you said about the mindset sometimes where people self-lower uh, themselves in terms of value or like self-victimize themselves. It's a thing that happens. So, but I wonder how do you change? Because sometimes I can see how in our social movement, there's also like a resistance towards money or, or, or business model or those kind of, of aspects that, yes, sometimes someone com coming from outside can have too much of it, but sometimes I feel like the people that are trying to have impact, 
don't have enough of that. And then there's a lack of resources to have the full impact that they could have. So mm-hmm. in a way, what I'm trying to say is I feel like there's a need of like both sides understand themselves because yes, people are coming from the outside needs to have a certain sense of humility of like mm-hmm. understanding that they don't necessarily have skin in the game and what they're going to act as change can have an impact that can be negative. And, and then they can just, you know, fly away. But the people over there live there and have a more profound understanding. But at the same time, local people need to have an openness towards a little bit of change or a little bit of mm-hmm. doing things differently that can have yeah. an impact. And, and yeah. what you said about yeah. having, when you manage to have people coming from outside and people that are embedded locally, when both work together, you have great results. But I wonder how do you, what's the recipe to engineer that? Especially if you're someone mm-hmm. that comes from outside and wants to have, to mm-hmm. have an impact, like have those, see those resistance that can be mm-hmm. someone lowering themselves or someone like, you know, see you as the outsider, the invader, where it doesn't, it's not mm-hmm. always the case. It can be the case, but it's not always the case. Yeah, most of the time is the case. It's there. Okay. Uh, it's not so realistic. You might find people who doesn't verbalize it, but most of the time they think of it. So they see you as a, the pointer. You're going to come and tell me what I have to do. Uh, one thing is counting with local entities local ambassadors, like local entities who they have the trust of local people. They are well-known, mm-hmm. well-considered. And first of all, having conversations with them, identifying them, understanding what they want or they don't want, how is the reality. So if yeah. you don't operate and are living in a, in a region, you need this figure. And it can be a person, but if you want to do kind of such an ambitious program, such a civic hub, you need at least one ideally two local entities, at least one reference entity. So the local entity becomes a bridge. And not just that, I remember the first edition of civic hub, we even have like crashes between the local entity and, and because they, they verbalize that they look, you're not going to come here and say what we have to do. So we have this kind of difficult conversations in the beginning. They weren't understanding exactly what we're, we were trying to do. They had to mm-hmm. do a small leap of faith. And something that, that helped us a lot before starting the program is doing a previous program awareness session in, we, in which mm-hmm. we were uh, gathering like sample of participants, local and newcomers. And they designed it, the local entity designed it and moderated and facilitated this session. And it was fucking amazing because then everybody understood what this going to be about. Everybody understood that there were going to be very diverse people involved in the program. At the beginning, they didn't understand what the fuck they were doing there because you could find uh, a hacker, um, a startup, uh, technical from the local government. And it was like the round of presentation was very weird because like, what, what the fuck am I doing here? But then the workshop was based on finding the root cause of why they were doing what they were doing, regardless of what they were doing. So why? And it was amazing because they the same sample of potential participants could understand uh, the value of being very diverse, but having a common ground. And it also was a way of giving a leading role to the local entity, which I think they, they were fucking amazing. You need to be also lucky 
to have an entity that can design, facilitate, and provide top-level workshops and that have this experience. We do have that in, in Garrocha. Uh, this is not yeah. so easy to find. But in any case, I would say, even if you know you risk to commit a mistake, it's more important to involve a local entity or local partner than just like saying, no, 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 this is not aligned. So unless it's, it's, it's not aligned with very important values, like thresholds you don't want to cross. But I would say, first of all, involve a local entity. It can be a local government. It could be. It can be an association. Uh, the second is the common ground. Diverse people need to have a common ground. Uh, in our cases, for the acceleration programs, is the topic, which is a local strength or an environmental challenge in the, in the case of Ecology Hub. And so they are there because they have something to do with that. So th that's why the campaigns, the, the call for participants, it's all addressed to specific profiles related to this topic. So they, they have the codes in common. What they discover is that they complement each other. So the typical profile of hacker or developer or a startup, tech-based startup, impact-driven startup in the case of Civic Hub, they do the technology, they do the product. It's like super product solution-based vision. But they have a lot of difficulties to find the users, to understand the users, to interview the users, to, to do the real work of making the technology become useful for a real need of real people. So yeah. that's how these kind of profiles complement with local projects that tend to be non-technological. They see technology something like Evil, like a tool for capitalism, and every, even something elitistic. So they, it's like, they don't want to know anything about technology. But they know how to gather people, understand people, listen to people, collect and yeah, like create social movements. And they do have more analogical and soft skills uh, yeah. that the tech-based project don't have. So here's where you find the match as well, because often you find that tech-based uh, participants become the technology of grassroots communities that doesn't have a clue on how to code the, the platform. And so ones become the users of the other ones and ones become the platform for the other ones. This happened in Civic Hub 2018 and it was a, an incredible match and it's still going on. The project that started there is now taking part of Civic Hub 2021. And yeah, it's a match between that tech-based impact-driven startup and, and hackers or people who is involved in, let's say, impact-driven projects based on coding. Because normally you find the more personalities, more uh, introverted personalities working in technology. It's not kind of always, but normally find that. And they see they can relax if they can solve the beta testers with a real community in a rural area who kind of early adopters for the technology because they don't have to take care of sales and community and anything of that. This is something that we didn't do in purpose. We just found this was happening. Now we, we do it in purpose as, as part of the design of this kind of topic-based programs. We always try developers to join because developers uh, manage to change careers because of that. Because the, the programs that take part of Civic Hub are not idea-based programs. They exist. They do have a time commitment. They are already having salaries. They, they might need to digitalize. They, it's not just like super early stage projects. They, they at least they have a community. And some of them, they already have salaries and everything. So some of the developers that took part of CB Hub 2018 managed to change careers. So 
stop working for boring, super big tech companies and started working in sexy technologies or decentralized technologies in impact-driven projects. Whereas because there were projects taking part of the program or because thanks to being a support developer for Holochain, for instance, they manage it now, just work on Holochain. This is, for instance, a message of one of the trainer developers we have for Holochain 2018. I received a WhatsApp message at the end of last year. I was very surprised. I didn't even know. Like, hey, Yana, I want you to know that thanks to Civic Hub, I managed to just work in Holochain. And I'm working on Holochain two, two years from now, and I'm super happy. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. So even for poor developers, that are so wanted in general, that want to start working for impact or just working on a passion-based technology or project, these kind of programs uh, can become onboarding to new phase of, of their speciality and whatever type of code or speciality they are. But this also happened randomly. I mean, some of those things happened randomly. Of course, we were very concerned about the quality of the projects. We didn't want to stay idea stage projects because our goal is not acceleration, it's reactivation of rural areas. The level of uncertainty that an ADS stage project has, we cannot sustain that because uh, we need to take projects that are already there, that are promising, that are, have some already time commitment or ideally even invoicing because the, there are more, way more probabilities of, of impact after that. Otherwise, we are not a venture builder. Our business model is not based on tech inequity of startups that take part of the programs and see which of them becomes the unicorn. It's completely the opposite thing. We are based on the quality, the commitment, the tangibility of the project. That's why it's an acceleration program. And that's why individuals that take part of the program, developers, other kind of professionals, they have employment opportunities together with the participants. Three people were hired, uh, individual participants, in 2018 because it's not just for entrepreneurs or people taking part of a program, but also for professionals that want to change careers or want to explore, starting working for impact. That's really cool. It's an important point because sometimes, you know, people want to actually have more impact and it's not necessarily that they have an idea or a project. They just mm -hmm. want to change careers, take a turn. And if coming to a program like this is an opportunity for that, I feel like it's important to make it known because then you probably have more people that are like, hey, yeah. I don't know what I want to do exactly, but I want to have an impact. And then they can come to a, one of your exactly. programs. And it's interesting because basically based on what we talked about, about having, you know, a local impact, especially in the rural world, you need to get people together, especially the newcomers and the local people. But now because of the situation with COVID, you cannot get them physically together, it's all online. So what are the, the challenges and how did you did you tackle them? Yeah, very good question. Well, I'm surprised. I mean, everybody is like, I think they are even more motivated than, than the first edition done physically. Mm. There's a lot of energy in every encounter. I guess because it's a big group of people and everybody's super excited that now they, they know each other's project and they are admired a lot each other. Um, mm -hmm. And some of the methodologies we use are especially put in there and designed it and customized it in a way for them to collaborate. So last weekend we worked in, in a methodology, Pentagrowth, in which we created a, mm -hmm. a market hub in which we had a mural and each one of the projects has a slide, a piece of like, um, yeah, like a frame. And so they, they have the time to look into this common mural and see 
what each one of the projects had and what each one of the mm -hmm. projects needed. So quite easily, mm -hmm. they started mm -hmm. to see a lot of ways of collaboration. So they have like 25 boards or like frames. It was kind of a market. So it's like most of them were thinking, oh, I need this, I need that, or no, I need money. And then suddenly look into the room and yeah. they were already excited before that, but after seeing the complementarities mm. inside of the room, they are even more excited. And they were like, in the first encounter, how can we connect with, with each other? They are asking for the Telegram group to be done. Of course, they wanted to meet each other in person, and they mm. thought they could do it in the last encounter. They were excited about that, and, and of course, they are super excited of meeting in person at some point, because some of the participants, they are rural shakers. They are... They have rural projects and in technology and agroecology. So I would love to visit some of those projects. And the, the will is there. So the will to become physical, to meet in person is there. But in a way, it's not involving the people is not excited enough to, to go on. And because it's like when you have a long distance relationship, <laughs> it becomes even more romantic. No, it's like. Just, um, yeah. just suddenly it's like waiting for that moment, and then it's like it's building up, no? Uh, so far, this is how it is. We'll see. I don't know. The intensity is, is growing, I think. But yeah, we can meet soon, hopefully. Yeah, let's cross fingers on that. But what are the next project like? Because I know you always have a few things <laughs> in the oven. Sure. What are the next project for you? What do you see? the yeah, next thing sure. happening for this year or even the, the next years. So apart from the acceleration programs, there is something that has a lot to do with the rural co-living safaris in the very beginning that I explained that we were scouting locations where in this kind of intersection between remote work, technology, rural co-living spaces, but also other things like kind of like tech-based farms, agroecology farms. They were some of them already, but now this is exploding. There are a lot of projects like this of young mm -hmm. people going to rural area, taking a far well, looking to into a Mara Valley. No, it doesn't have to be a specifically technology, but it's kind of this new approach to rural area. So it's going out from the commonly agreed thing that you need to do in a rural area. No? So it's like mm -hmm. creative people coming back to rural areas. And apart from people just moving to rural area, there's a lot of projects that are pollinizers of all the other people. So they just don't have a project on entrepreneurship, blah, blah, blah. But whatever they you do uh, is attracting and consolidating other interesting people in the rural area. So it, they become kind of the, the honey to the bees. So these pollinizer character of ruralites or new, new rurals, it's what we call rural shakers. And I knew they were there for a while, but now this is growing a lot. So now it's kind of the moment of giving the name to this. I recognize myself as a rural shaker as well. I don't, I'm not attached to a space, but I do things with spaces as well. So uh, what I do mm -hmm. and why I do it is because I, I want to attract and consolidate interesting people in rural areas. So that's what we have in common. And we do it in a pollinizer kind of way. So yeah, we did the first prototype of this project after a lot of conversations and shall we do it, shall we don't do it, because it's, we are a group of rural shakers, uh, it's not just Pandora Hub. And we did this 10-minute uh, talk of impact-based talks of rural shakers that are creating a an impact locally, because of course this is one of the values. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, I have a living space in a rural area, super money-driven, and I don't give a shit about the local community. That's, that's not the kind of uh, rural shaker we are uh, prompting here. 
So with the goal of inspiring the community, giving visibility uh, to successful rural seekers elsewhere, because this, this is happening everywhere in the world. And, and yeah, visibility, inspiration to newly created projects, and is also helping us identify like uh, successful rural shakers. We're trying to now transcend Pandora Hub as, as a network in this sense. So to yeah. me, the rural shaker is who we are because this is who we are. It's not just the participants of Civic Hub. Like those are more users, like people who is acquiring a lot of value on all from the activities, but they just sell their products and services. They don't need to be a rural shaker. And then there are the rural shakers with whom we share the passion and the and the cause, no? So that that's mm. a, a little bit who we are. And the other big thing, uh, which is, has been has already always been there, is the the rural co-living. Now we are in the eighth iteration of the rural co-living project. Most of the years has been measured on experiences, rural co-living experiences. And this last iteration is we want to do a platform, kind of an aggregator of rural co-living related services, companies and people who mm. can provide support to people living in urban areas willing to become more rural and to live more in community. And this can be experiences oh, organized. Beautiful. Thank you. We'll see. This can be experiences organized not just by Pandora Hub, but by other people, that new projects that are mm. arising. And it can be one-on-one -on -one sessions with members of communities that can share their experiences with people who is idealizing the community living in a rural area. Or it can be, I don't know, like one-on-one -on -one sessions for helping them identify regions that are related with their areas of interest. This is something I can do, for instance, because I have a lot of knowledge of what is going on everywhere in terms of, I don't know, artistic communities in a rural area, hacker communities in a rural area. So it's all this kind of nearly six years of project know-how and not just the own Pandora have know-how and, and knowledge, but also all the rural shaker knowledge that, that is arising now and collaborators that we share values with. So trying to create a platform that is gathering all the newly created demand, which is so mainstream right now, and trying to define personalized journeys for each one of the individuals. So making a first uh, kind of assessment, individual assessment, and from here making them a proposal. Why don't you go to this experience? Why don't you do one session with this person? And we will do a rural community, uh, rural life and community living incubator ourselves. And the easier part is just like choosing four or five rural co-living spaces that we know they work really well and they have mm -hmm. people already in there and they have governance uh, rules quite well in place and doing kind of seven-day trial onboarding on the rural co-living and, and rural life no? for these first-timers, urbanites uh, that are interested in exploring these possibilities. So responding to different kinds of uh, maturity levels of the people interested in rural areas and putting in value all our own projects, our own experience, but also um, the experience and knowledge, the projects of projects in, in our network who are doing some kind of related service to Basically, it's like a personalized support that potentially is going to become a community of people that is also looking for other people who want to live in a rural area and potentially, I don't know, like different kind of levels of involvement and, and Q&As and one-on-one sessions and discounts for spaces, discounts for, for experiences, but, but many other things that we will see we are in pretty much in the beginning. But to me, now is the mm. moment to, to turn uh, an experience and in-person-based project into a platform.
Uh, of course, yeah. the end of that is a membership-based platform in which we have previously curated uh, spaces, not just co-living spaces, and previously curated community, educated community, mm -hmm. uh, that has passed through a journey of discovery and education and on learning. And then at some point, inviting them to freely move among the spaces. Uh, but that's kind of the second phase. Uh, because, yeah, as mm. I said, it's dangerous to say urbanite first timer directly to rural area without nobody there hosting them because they can destroy mm. everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. We're going to reach soon the end of the call, I guess. But I, I think there's one important question that is coming to me because that's something that I've seen as a, as a challenge and we've already talked about it in other instances. Is like when you usually people are coming and trying to change things, one of the blocker is regulation. Usually it's actually very difficult to do something, mm. something new, especially if we're talking about yeah. land-based projects. Yeah. And I see a lot of the social activists or a lot of the project, what they actually find as a hurdle is like, they are basically only allowed to be doing what was already done before. So if you're creative and trying to do something mm -hmm. new, it becomes tricky to even try. Is that something that you encountered for many projects yeah. or even your own? How do we solve this issue? A lot of people are trying are finding ways, tricky ways <laughs> to do things in, in, in like finding the, the flaw in the law, let's say. But ideally, I feel like the local government, the local laws should become more and more open to have like, almost like have a, there is those, uh, in France actually, there is like, commercial zones where you're like, you know, you don't pay tax and you're more free to, to try things. And like, you know, people can, can go there and innovate. I feel like there should be something like that in the real world where it's like, hey, there is this piece of land or is, here is this region and guys try to change things there and we see what comes out of it. I don't know if you have any, any thoughts around that. Yeah, it's uh, the conversation we, we had a few days ago uh, on WhatsApp, and I didn't thought of this idea before because there's so many super smart, super clever, super expert people having the same blockage, and there's still no solution because the law on changing the kind of use of a house in a rural area is the same law that 60 years ago, a massive change needs to be done. I really believe there are so many projects and people finding the same blockers that once when you want to change the law or when you want to change the framework, collectivization is the, is the way. Because if you are the only one, it's going to be super hard. So better you do your own way and try nobody to know that you're doing what you're doing and hope that nobody discovers it. But if there's so many people having the same issue and that's becoming super big. So why not creating mm -hmm. a big lobby of alternative projects wanting to uh, regenerate uh, rural areas uh, with bioconstruction, mm with agroecology and uh, this is the answer i mean and we need multi-use spaces it's not just for living not just, it's it's everything is mixed up so yeah. wake up we are in the 2021st i mean everybody want to live in a rural area if you don't regulate that it's going to become a mess no so yeah. i think collectivization uh, maybe by catalonia say trying to create a collective project in which we create a lobby and we say look we are so many people with the same problem we are going to vote you or not, because that's the, the only way they understand. No? And there are other projects like the one I just sent you that are trying to give solutions like minimum viable houses that are not legal, non-legal. You can move them. So 
finding the, the gap between the legal and non-legal because the other process might, might take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But a lot of projects yeah. and people who is involved in politics, lawyers, super specialized people, Catalans, which is like, no, if I'm Catalan, yeah. they're going to listen to me. It is a massive mm-hmm. structural change that needs to be done. And I believe mm-hmm. collectivization is the way to, to tackle it mid long term. So thank awesome. you for the opportunity and the space. And it was very, very nice having the space for yeah. a bit more quiet about everything. Yeah, thank, thank you for doing that. And thanks for thank everyone you, listening. And I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to hear more about the Rural Shakers platform. Uh, yeah. The network effect will be amazing, I feel. Ciao, everyone. Ciao. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.